If your business is earning millions, stop what you're doing and take a listen to what offer NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out. At my last company, we used NetSuite to have much more visibility to our business in terms of what was working, what was not working, what was coming in, what was going out. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their finances, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and much more. And for the first time, NetSuite is allowing you to defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. There's no payment and no interest for six months. And you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know the deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of this special financing offer at netsuite.com scale. netsuite.com scale to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. That is netsuite.com slash skill. Welcome back to the Uncharted Podcast. This is Poya. I have Mark Pierce joining us from Kansas. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to chat with you today. Mark, we'd like to kick it off with a quick personal business bio. Give everybody some context on who you are. I think like a lot of sales folks, my career has been an interesting one. One that I'm really thankful for. Started out early, right out of college in 2006, 2007, making calls, whether it be cold calling or being an inside sales rep in support of an account executive. I think it's the best way to learn and to happen to be fortunate enough to, to join a really, really cool company here in the Midwest. And there wasn't a ton of startups, software startups specifically in the Midwest back in 2007, but I found a really great company called Perceptive Software and learned a lot and had a lot of great mentors there. Worked my way up, just like a lot of people as well. Spent a lot of time as an account executive at Account Management manager and then into the partnership ecosystem sales management and really found a lot of joy in helping companies not make the same mistakes that I know I've made and I've seen other leaders make. I think failure can be the best best teacher. So helping companies set up some best practices, avoid some pitfalls has been a really important part of my career and learning and the opportunity to see a lot of different movies. It's put me in a position where I'm able to, to, to help companies now set strategic direction on their sales and partnership programs. And that's what I'm doing today at Phoneburner as an SVP there. A hundred percent. Well, thanks for that context. One of the things you mentioned is going through ups and downs, pitfalls. I think sometimes so much of sales is the emotional side, like just being able to handle those ups and downs and looking challenges as opportunities to grow. How have you learned to kind of bounce back and come out even stronger? It's a great question. There's a lot of different effective sales leaders out there that have different go-to methods, methodologies, processes, or just approaches as it relates to kind of keeping your mind and your emotions right and staying positive and optimistic. I think for me, what really helped is I had leadership in my past that were more gut reaction, old school sales guys that were like, we can do this. And I also had a great opportunity to work with sales leaders that were very data-driven. I think that that's the best way to control emotions is believe your gut, trust your gut, but verify. I think the combination of sales and sales operations and having a good partnership between who is your director of rev ops or sales ops, along with the decisions you make as a sales leader are key. Because when the emotions come up, and oftentimes it's because of failure or poor outreach results or you know, low meetings booked or revenues down or top of funnels not building the way you want it to, all certainly things that are happening right now with the macroeconomic conditions. The data, the regimen, the process kind of create that confidence that you're not seeing in the specific results of your outreach, of your sales methodology and go to market. So that's the best way that I handle it is I know that there's going to be good weeks and bad weeks. I also know directionally, if you created a good plan based off data, 
strategy. You got to stick with it. You got to keep chopping wood and you're going to start seeing those results sooner than later. Great example of this. It just happened at my company at Phone Burners three weeks ago. We had two weeks back to back on an outbound sales motion where we had pathetic results. This week, we had fantastic results. And we saw meetings booked in the neighborhood of, of above our success criteria after going basically two weeks back to back. And it's just about sticking to the things you know that work. You have to make sure you have a strategy built on reality. And a lot of times reality is found in that data. So that's how I typically go about it and keep the emotions pushed to the side. It's easy for you and me and others that have been around, let's say the chopping blocks, you know, to push through and believe in that. How about for some of the young guns? This is timely. I actually just had a call with one of our SDRs. She's a really talented gal. And we focus more on outcomes versus the journey, if you will. And what I mean by that, and I'm probably not going to articulate it perfectly here, so forgive me, but I think that there's several different ways that you can reach a goal. And let's say a goal is a simple metric like booking meetings. In this economy right now, that's not always easy to do. But there's different ways you can go about it. You can make 500 cold calls. You can do 20 really customized emails. You can do some LinkedIn account-based uh, marketing, prospecting, some custom outreach, things like that. I think a lot of times when people start to feel burnout or emotionally over it, it's because they're actually more focused on the tactical, iterative, day-to-day -day work tasks that you need to achieve the outcomes versus actually just focusing on what's the best way for me to achieve the outcome. There's something nice about separating that out. It gives you a little bit more creative. And that allows, in my opinion, the opportunity for individuals to have more of their own personal tone and creativity and innovative nature in their own success. So I know that's not a perfect answer as it relates to that, but staying focused on that, focusing on the outcomes allows you to have a little bit more control of how you get there. And when you have more control of how you get there, it's easier to deal with those emotions. If you feel like you have no say in the matter, if it feels like you're following such a strict regimen that you have no creativity, no ability to put yourself in your work, I've seen that it has a much greater mental and emotional toll on some early stage employees. A hundred percent. You just got to enjoy the journey versus the destination, right? That's, that's, that's part of it. But you'll have to look at things you control, right? Eliminate everything else because right. it's going to drive you nuts. And I'm actually, I'm guilty of this. I'm probably the worst person at it. I, I care too much. <laughs> like it's so much easier said than done, but I, I'm, I'm always so jealous of leaders that if they have a hard day, bad day, something to just bounce back and move on to the next thing is like nothing had happened. You've worked with some amazing companies. You've helped some go from zero all the way up to 10 million in revenue. What are some of like the most common pad around mistakes, lessons, whatever you want to call it that you see like time after time that you're like, hey, if I were to do this again, I'm pretty sure every startup makes this mistake. There's a lot. I'll give you a couple here. I think the first thing I've been a part of a lot of startups where you have limited finite resource and you got a lot of big thinkers and you got even bigger goals, especially if you've taken money from a PE or a VC and they put together a quota plan or a comp plan that's very difficult to achieve. Mistake number one to avoid. If there's 10 things that you have to do, that you need to do, that you want to do, pick two of them and get them done and get the entire business and organization aligned on those specific two key resources. Not a great analogy, but I'll give you one in anyways. There's something terribly frustrating about feeling like you're working all day, every day into the early in the morning, and then you don't see items come off your task list, your checklist, your priority list, right? I always equate it to, it's like a lumberjack going into the forest. You chop one tree trunk at a time, you move to the next one. You're not going to see any of those trees fall. You're not going to see any of those initiatives get finished. That is the number one mistake that I could say I've seen every business I've been a part of 
And I've been guilty of it as well. And I learned this the hard way because I tried to take on too much and I was decent at a lot of things instead of great at a few. You've got to put your entire emphasis on two to three key priorities. Those two to three key priorities, you need to have alignment on within your organization. And one other thing I think would be really important to mention to that is, and this is something that I've, I actually have learned from my current CEO, Chris Sorensen. He's fantastic, a leader out of, out of the Seattle, Washington area, is that if you don't have organizational alignment, you're not going to succeed. And if you don't have a measurement for success, you're not going to be able to measure whether you've succeeded or failure. So one of the things that we've taken on at Phone Burner is when we have key initiatives, every single department, sales, pre-sales, marketing, dev, product, customer success support, we are aligned on that initiative. We have a way to measure if we have contributed our portion of the completion or the successful activation of that initiative. That is a big problem for every business I've been a part of. When you do it right, it feels awesome. And when you don't do it right, you feel like the lumberjack that hits the tree trunk one time and moves on to the next one. And you worked a hundred days and nothing has actually gotten done. I think what you just said resonates a lot because it's a challenge at every company. But I think it's one of those challenges for good or bad. It's really hard to influence or make better in a bottoms up approach, meaning like folks in the trenches, no matter how much feedback they give, it just becomes really tough for them to, you know, move the needle over. Yep. In other words, you need almost a CEO or an exec, you know, to identify that this is a huge problem and try coming up with the solution and leading everybody in that direction. Yes. What have you found as a way to kind of manage up and show people some of these challenges around misalignment on what the top priorities or goals are or not, you know, not being aligned as an organization. Like, because when those things come up at some point, you're like, it's almost like a slow death, right? What have you found successful to, you know, if you can? And I know yeah. it's, it's hard. I'm throwing a curveball, but yeah. It's one of the things that I spent a lot of time at my previous company with our team, a company called My Sidewalk, a great startup, socioeconomic data. It's in the Midwest, really cool company, but we spent a lot of time on, and it's just a way to frame a problem. And as a leader, this is going to make sense in a second. I'll come full circle. But one of the things that I absolutely hate is when someone comes to me and says, this is a problem. I have a problem. I have an issue. I have an issue. And they're just pointing them out. Going up to my boss, this boss, previous boss, if I, if I just approach it that we have an issue here, we have a weakness, we have a risk, we have a single point of failure. If I'm just identifying the problem, it's not going to go anywhere. There is a framework that I love that's really important. And it's something that regardless of what level you are as a salesperson or any person, any, any role within a business, if you can adapt this, it will benefit you immensely. And it is identify the problem, which you're probably already doing today. Create three recommended potential solutions. Put your name on the one that you feel is the best solution. Have the supporting data to show not only the problem, but how your countermeasure or your solution will fix the problem. And at that point, it's either your manager or your director or your VP or your SVP or your C-level or your CEO will then take the time to notice. So I think that's really, really important. You need to be able to measure the impact of the problem or the misalignment. You need to be able to provide a recommended path forward, several, and then put your name on one. That's important as part of a growth mechanism is be, be confident enough to put your name on a solution. You may be wrong, but you may be right. And then have the data to show if you implement that potential countermeasure or resolution, how that will solve the problem. It's a simple framework, but if you approach every single issue that you run into within your business, when you're trying to make meaningful change or create meaningful alignment, that will get you 50% of the way there versus in the past, if you just point out the, point out the problem, it's going to fall most of the time on deaf ears. 
could not could not have said it better, right? I've always had some managers. You said it a little nicer than me, but most of them are usually cry me a river. But usually, <laughs> when when I've approached it with the with the suggestions you've given, I've usually had more luck. So it's it's a combination of of those things. Well, look, yep. this has been fantastic, Mark. We've we've loved having you. One of the questions we love to end every conversation with is if you could go back to any time, and this could be let's say 2007, 2006, right out of college. If there's one piece of it, if there's one piece of advice you would give your younger self, what's what's that one piece of advice? It's it's a piece of advice that I actually magically lucked into following without actually having it given to me when I was at that age in my career. So I'm fortunate in that. Go and try and find something within your business that has been deemed as challenging or risky, or even maybe an emergent opportunity. What you'll find and do it and put your name in the hat and take an opportunity to do it. What you'll find is that there's a ton of people that are comfortable with what they're doing and they're making their money as a sales rep and they're doing a good job and they're perfectly happy. And that's a, that's exactly what you need as an organization. There's always going to be some ugly areas within a business where if you can take and raise your hand and take an opportunity to go in and try to learn something new or create something new, the failings, the missteps, the wins, all of those things are opportunities for you to gain value. I always talk about putting a an estimate or a return on your resume. Like what are the things that you've done that most people wouldn't have done? And more often than not, that will lead you to create some new skills, some new value and some new learnings that you're going to have and maybe 90% of other people won't have. This is going to sound overly cliche, but if you're going to be there and do it, you might as well be great at it. Like, why not? You're going to be there anyways. They're paying you to do it. So try to be great at it. And I think that just those simple things will really, really benefit you in your career, regardless of the level you're in. hundred percent. Run run towards the chaos sometimes is right. another way of putting it. That's like one of the totally. things I, I, well, I've always hated confrontation and stress and whatnot. But one of the things similar to you, I think over the years I've loved is running towards chaos usually are good opportunities for you to up-level yourself. But look, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you for coming on, for paying it forward. For everybody listening, I will put Mark's contact information and whatnot in the show notes. Reach out, connect with him. And until next time, everybody be safe, be well. Look forward to the next episode. And Mark, once again, thank you. If your business is earning millions, stop what you're doing and take a listen to what offer NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out. At my last company, we used NetSuite to have much more visibility to our business in terms of what was working, what was not working, what was coming in, what was going out. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their finances, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and much more. And for the first time, NetSuite is allowing you to defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. There's no payment and no interest for six months. And you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know the deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of this special financing offer at netsuite.com scale. netsuite.com scale to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. That is netsuite.com slash skill.